in a very tense political time, a time where the people of God, the Jewish people at the time, were, were really seeking and trying to find it, uh, something that was not the oppression they were living under of the Roman Empire, they had tremendous hope in Jesus Christ. He was, when they said the word Savior, he was going to save them from what they experienced every single day living under Roman rule. And then that Friday night came. And can you imagine the devastation to them when Jesus lowered his head and he breathed his last? And that is what the disciples knew going into Saturday and then into Sunday morning. This morning, we're continuing a series called The God I Wish You Knew. And we're going to talk about the God I Wish You Knew is our refuge. And I want to talk this morning about what that means and what that looks like. And even more importantly, what did the the disciples see that as and how did they receive it, especially on Sunday morning? So think back with me, a time that you're in like grammar school. Do you remember that, that, that far back? Um, you're in grammar school. Do you remember a time when you might have been chased by someone? Like you were chased, you know? Uh, you were like minding your own business, right? Because you never did anything wrong. And somebody gave you that look like they were about to rip your head off. And you're like, I think I better take off running, <laughs> And that's what happened on the elementary playground. You ran, and someone ran after you, and you were chased. And so you took off running, and it's not, and this isn't jogging, but like you're running for your life, kind of running, as you did when you were a little kid. Anybody remember that? Yeah, okay. All right, good. It's not just me. If it, what didn't actually happen, surely, like in the non-reality, in the dream world, you can remember a time, like in your dreams, like you were being chased in your dream and you were running and running and running and just as that bad person reached out to grab you, you know, you woke up and you were safe in your bed. And uh, anybody ever been chased in the dream world out there? Yeah. Okay. All right. So more heads of you, uh, several of you. So you know what I'm talking about, being chased. Well, actually in ancient times, in the ancient Middle East of the Old Testament where God's people were living, there was actually a quite a bit of chasing and running going on when it comes to this issue of refuge. You see, uh, at their time, um, cities were pretty spread out and like the judicial system was pretty basic at the time. And so people actually, if a crime had been committed or seemingly had been committed, people would literally have to run for their lives. And so, for example, if you uh, and a neighbor, right, you're out in the fields and you have a little altercation, right, and it kind of comes to blows and, you know, and you're fighting and each other and, you know, and then the final blow you, you punch and it actually ends up to that person dying, right? They fall and they're, they're like dead. Well, you better get your track shoes on because you've got some running to do at this time because here's what's going to happen because this guy's family that you just, you know, punched and and they ended up dead, uh, they're not going to hire an attorney to to defend or or to persecute you. They're not going to hire an investigator to look into seeing what's happened. They're going to hire what Scripture actually calls a blood avenger. And The blood avenger, that's going to be the strongest, fastest guy in their clan or in their family. And they're going to hire this person. You know what they're going to do? They're going to seek to locate you. They're going to chase after you and try to find you with the goal that once they do find you, 
they're going to kill you. And they're going to spend the rest of their life doing that. Can you imagine having a blood avenger after you? And they're committed for the rest of their life to chasing you down until they kill you. Now, once they've killed you, you the matter is considered close. And everything goes back to normal. Except for you, because you're dead. So in that day, there's this fair bit of running and chasing going on. Now, as you can imagine, every once in a while, there is a, a death that occurs. And it's accidental, right? It's accidental. Like somebody hops on their horse back in the day and they're running down to, you know, the local Harris Teeter for their grocery stores. And, and, and as they're riding on their horse, a kid doesn't look both ways, runs out in front of the horse, and he's knocked over and the kid dies because of his injuries. Terrible tragedy, right? And everyone would know, well, that's an accident, a horrible, horrible accident that this happened to his kid, except for the family of that kid, right? Because they're still going to hire a blood avenger, and they're going to send that person after you because of their grief and maybe anger that this happened. And you're going to run and run and run from this blood avenger till they catch you and from chasing you, and then their goal is to kill you, and then the matter is settled. And you'd go, well, well, that's awful. I mean, it was an accident, right? I mean, these accidents happen sometimes. Tragic accident. I mean, this is like a terrible injustice, and, and you would be right. A terrible injustice, right? And you think somebody ought to do something, and guess what? God does, we find in the Old Testament. He steps into this situation, and what he does is he instructs this young leader named uh, uh, Joshua to designate six cities that are spread throughout the kingdom, six cities that are called cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. And then God told Joshua to establish this new law that went along with it, and it would protect people that killed somebody when something happened accidentally, right? So the new law said that in a situation of accidental death— a person who did not, uh, a person should take off running, but they run to a city of refuge, a safe haven that they can get to. Hopefully that person would take off running before a blood avenger was hired and contacted and, and they would make it to one of these cities in time. And the new law said if they made it to one of these cities of refuge, then they were safe. They, they could not be harmed in the city, and they'd be protected, and they'd be kind of like a jury and a sort of trial that would go on for this person. And if that homicide, in fact, if it was ruled accidental, just an accidental thing, then they were let go, and charges were dropped, and they were given even a form of papers back then that they could carry so that they would know that uh, they're not guilty, and they wouldn't They could return to their village, and they wouldn't have to worry about being chased down by a blood avenger. And this way, way, way back in time, you might say, well, that's pretty cool that they put this in place. Um, And it was. For that day, it was very, very cool that they put that in place. You can actually read all about it this for yourself if you'd like. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible in the book of Joshua chapter 20, and you can read more. Now, why do I bring this up? For a couple reasons. First of all, this morning, I think it demonstrates that God notices all the activities of human society. He notices what's going on in the world. And I think he always has and he always will. And from time to time, when we're involved in our own personal situations, our own personal struggles, things that are going on in their own life, and we're not, let's say, 
we're not quite seeing eye to eye with God on the timeline of how this is playing out or how long it's playing out, we start to wonder, hey, God, surely you see this, right? You see what's going on at my job, right? You see what's going on in my house or with my family. You see what's going on in our world, don't you, God? You say, hey, God, you're up there, right? You're working, right? Psalm 121.4 says this, Indeed, he who watches God over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Bible's saying he's not napping when something important's going on or when something's about to happen or something's happened wrong in our world. He notices. He sees everything here. The scripture says not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. So he notices everything is what the scripture says. Secondly, this passage tells us that the, the idea for these like amazing cities of refuge it actually flows right out of God's basic nature. It flows out of who God is, these cities. The idea for these amazing cities, like, of refuge, it flows out of this nature of the God I wish you all knew. Because his nature has always been to protect and to provide a refuge for people who are feeling frightened or hurt or hunted down, being chased by something or someone. Now let me ask you before we go on, does it at all describe you this morning? Does that at all describe you, the need for refuge, feeling frightened, feeling like things are just in a toss right now, or literally feeling like you're being chased and you're being pursued by something or someone? Psalm 46, 1 says it this way, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Now look at those last four words. We'll return to refuge in just a moment. The last four words that we read in that verse, in times of trouble. Look, these are times of trouble, aren't they, in our world? I, I mean, they're times of trouble. I, maybe people have said that every year all the way back to the time of Christ. I don't know. But it just feels like for us when we look, we have to admit we're living in days of trouble. Listen, I dare you to watch just an hour of TV news in, at, at night. Just an hour. Now, if you so choose to do this, let me tell you what you're going to see. Uh, the first third is all going to be about maybe Iran and nuclear weapons and what's going over there, on over there and the whole political system that surrounds what's happening and decisions that are being made or need to be made and all that will be happening. The next you're going to probably hear about the terrorist group ISIS and what they're up to and the terrible things that they're doing and, and some of the unspeakable violence that is happening around our world. The third news might be something a little bit more local, maybe about another shooting or, or some partiers attempting to, to get somewhere like we read about last week, the NSA gate. And it's going to be filled with that, your hour. So there'll be some terrible violence or potential violence or something terrible that's going on in our world. You're going to hear that every single night. And then there's going to be some breaking news story about a religious freedom act, right, that has two sides in a crazy, crazy uh, discussions and boycotting and verbal wars and, and the fears that, of what might will come. And, and all that you're going to see and you're going to deal with. So if you watch an average evening news, your anxiety level is likely to go pretty high by the time that news is over. In fact, did you know that the anxiety level for a teenager today, 15-year-old teenager, I was interested in this because I have one, 
the anxiety level for a 15-year-old teenager is actually on the same level as the average psychiatric patient had in the 1950s. Can you imagine that? Do you know that right now in a recent Harvard study, we learned that adult society, that the general anxiety level is at an all-time high. The general. You live with it every single day and walk around with it. This anxiety level. We're just like walking around with our worry meters kind of pegged on high all the time. Do you think God notices? Do you think God even sees? Is he watching? Is he napping? Listen, God sees, folks. He notices and he cares. And you know what? He actually has a plan for this as he did for his people in the Old Testament with these cities of refuge. What's a refuge anyway? This is what we want to talk about for the next couple minutes. I think to understand what, what we want to find this morning, what a spiritual refuge is, that we need to understand what, what is a physical refuge? What does that look like? So maybe you read this story about these five friends. They were dropped off in a helicopter on one of these big mountains where there was, you know, they wanted to ski down it. It was one of these thrill-seeking type adventure vacations for this guys. And so there's, there's no like defined slopes, there's no amenities, and there's no lodge at the bottom, and there is no ski patrol as well. So they're dropped off, these five friends, and they start skiing down. And everything's going wonderful. It's the time of their life, as you might imagine if you're into that kind of thing. But then an ice blizzard rolled in, and it caused whiteout conditions and a severe temperature drop. And before these guys knew it, they were so turned around, they actually couldn't figure out which way was up the mountain and which way was down the mountain. And with the temperature falling as it was, they actually entertained the idea we're all going to die up here on this mountain, these five strong guys. But one of the guys was walking around, and he literally runs into an old wooden hunting lodge. And he starts yelling to his friends. It was hard just a few feet away, apparently. And he starts yelling, and he gets their attention to come into the cabin, for it's going to provide this safe refuge from this storm. Afterwards, they were being interviewed, and they're sharing about what it was like to get out of the elements and what it was like to finally get a fire going in that little wooden cabin. And, and they got their body temperatures back up, and, and then they said this, I quote, it says, and they got their wits about them again, unquote. Now, that little cabin, it wasn't a permanent solution. It, it's not like they could have lived up there, you know, once they went in for refuge, they decided, we'll just stay. But it provided this temporary warmth and shelter so they could form a plan to get down the mountain. And they did form that plan, and evidently it worked, and the story ended well for them. Well, they'll never forget that little cabin. It was a physical refuge. In fact, I would say right away, probably some story rolled in your head of a physical refuge. We understand this. But now in Psalm chapter 91, we get this imagery of something similar and different. We get this spiritual refuge. Here's what it looks like, Psalm 91 verse 4. It says, he, God, will shelter you, a kind of shelter, a kind of refuge, under his wings. You might say, what? Under his wings? What is that all about? Well, in this day, like some of you here uh, today, maybe out in the country, most people had chickens in those days, and so it was common to see a mother hen, like, spread her wings over their little, you know, her little frightened chicks, and 
clutching them in and giving them safety. And then when the danger had passed, you know, they lift their wings and say, shoo, get out and face the world now. And I want you to know, men, it was all I could do to write that illustration out and to somehow try to say it and say it manly. Um, but I don't know if it happened or not. Listen, we, we live in troubled time, and God sees and cares. And the imagery that he uses here to describe is the same thing he wants to offer us. You see, God has this plan for this troubled times. When it kind of bores in on you, when it overtakes you, when you're in a situation where it just is like, I don't know what else I can handle, he says, look, I know what you should do. Seek refuge. Seek refuge. Get out of the elements is what he said. If you bump into a wooden cabin in the middle of a blizzard, get in the wooden cabin. Don't stay out in the blizzard. Seek refuge. Find a safe place for a short period of time. Well, the question now, where is that, you might ask? And that's where I think you cynics will have a field day with this. Because we're going to talk about something mystical that Christ's followers, they understand. And those who aren't yet in the family of God, they have a hard time with this. That we understand, those of us who walk with God, we understand what it means to put ourselves like under God's wings and to be cared for by him. I was trying to think about this personally, and I was trying to think about the illustration, and so many of you are in situations in your life where you, you have to at times come under God's wings for safe refuge for very trying and troubled situations. But if you'll allow, I was thinking about my job. And in a job like mine, rarely does a month go by without me getting somewhat blindsided by bad news, by things that happen. Even in a church our size, bad things happen to people's lives, and sooner or later, I'm going to hear about that story. And it's not all that abnormal in a given week or in a month for me to hear about someone from the church who's battling like severe depression, and they've even had suicidal thoughts. And I'm always like, that's, that's terrible. Lord, help me. What do I say? On a regular, regular basis, I hear someone is injured or sick or has got a terrible diagnosis. I visited a lady this week who got a cancer diagnosis. And I go like, yeah, my, that's just terrible, tragic, tragic news. And I get that, you know, the bad news of, and this always breaks my heart, when a marriage is breaking up, splitting up, or a, a son or a daughter is, is having a hard time with, with their parents, and there's just, just such issues there. Or when somebody has become like dependent on a drug, or they've returned to a life of dependency on that, and they maybe experience years of freedom. And I want to just tell you, it, those things break my heart as a pastor, to read about those things, to, to hear those things, and then to actually participate in the lives of people who are going through those. Every once in a while, somebody comes and says, hey, you know, my needs aren't being met. We're moving along to another church. And there's those times in my life where this collection of bad news is so heartbreaking that sometimes, I mean, even myself, I, I can feel myself losing my bearings. Do you know what that means in your life? I mean, do you have a similar situation in your own life where you're like, man, I just kind of losing my bearings and, and my thoughts are just wondering and jumping on. And it's in those times that I have learned that I have to take refuge under God's wings. 
And so for me, it looks something like this, if you want me to get practical. You know, when the family goes to school and I work and, and I'm there at the, the, the house office and I sit in my chair and sometimes I close my eyes or sometimes I'm just sitting there and I say, God, I'm going to need you to stabilize me. I, I'm just going to need a few seconds because my mind is kind of reeling and my heart is either heavy or hurting or confused. And these families... Are, that are affected, they, they might be shattered right now, and they're going to need me to help, or they're going to at least need me to be there, and right now I'm not in the perfect frame of mind to do that. So God, right now I need you. If you could just kind of like cover me and, and just shelter me for a few minutes, um, I need your temporary shelter. And, and can I ask you a question? How many of you have ever been blindsided so badly with some bad news that you just have needed the exact same thing. You know what I'm talking about. That is life. And you just say, oh God, I, I, I need you. I, I need you right now. Yeah, I would assume most of you. And you know what I'm talking about here. And, and what it's like when God takes me in those situations and tucks me under his wings and I hear the words of encouragement or the, hey, Tom, you don't need to do anything for the next half hour, 45 minutes, hour. You know, just, you just chill out and get your bearings back before you launch out and to do something. Those are powerful times. So then we look at the scriptures and, and I, I think about some, some scriptures that God has impacted me on or, or come to memory and those start to minister and start, start to speak. Now, the alternative to this plan is to think in worst case scenarios. Have you ever done that? Uh, The alternative is now to catastrophize something. Is that a word? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's a word or not, but let's go with it. When, I mean, we actually make the situation into a worse situation. That's the alternative plan. The alternative plan is to say, look, I'm, I'm a little stressed. I'm a little worried about this. I'm a little lost on this issue is to just throw up our hands and say, well, let's just go all the way with it. And we let our worry just run crazy and wild in our life. And I can tell often by Facebook and social media and those avenues, like I can tell when that's happening, when people are doing that. They're catastrophizing the situation. I can tell that's the alternative. I'm going to tell you when those situations, when I sit with people and I try to encourage them, And I've learned over my years of ministry that I really, it's only a couple things that I, in general, say to them. And I thought this morning I would share with you what I share with those people when they're in that situation and they really need a refuge. Is that okay with you if I share with you, all of you, that? I don't know why I ask. I mean, like, what? What? I guess you could say no, Stephen. But I'd keep going. Here's the first thing I tell them when, when they're just so overwhelmed with it. I say, look... Turn off the news. Turn off the news. And I don't just mean the news on TV like we talked about before, though that may be your thing if, if the events of the world are just causing you to just worst case scenario and you're in the pits and you've lost your bearings. But you've heard the voices, right? The voices of, you don't know how much more you can handle. You know, you, I don't know if you should even follow God on this one. You know, when's this ever going to end? Turn off that news. Turn off that voice. Just turn the volume down on that. and Turn it off. Secondly, I encourage them, seek God's refuge. 
You've got to seek what God has to offer. The cabin, you've already bumped into it. It's just, now just go into it and seek his refuge. And I should always share a few verses, but here's just three that I wanted to share with you this morning on, on refuge. It says in Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, are the God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's not what the voices say. That's not what the news tells us about. Psalm 119.90, your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. Faithfulness, enduring. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. It's seeking God's refuge. So I tell him, turn, turn off the news. Turn off the voices. Turn that down. Turn up the voice of God. What does his scripture say? What are his promises his, he's made to you? Here's just three of the many, many in scripture. And then I usually ask him this question. Which would you prefer? What would you prefer? The voice, the news, or the promises and the faithfulness of God? The refuge of God. What would you prefer? I think in people's heart, they almost always prefer God. In fact, I don't even understand when somebody would choose otherwise because of this refuge. Now, God, he's going to build you up. He's going to kind of get you your bearings back. And then you know what he's going to do? He's going to open his wings and he's going to send you back out in the world refreshed and strengthened, able to handle what's in life. Now, think about the disciples that day. It was early Sunday morning. Christ had been crucified. It had been a terrible, a terrible day of silence the day before. And then that morning, something that even though Jesus had talked about, it still came as unexpected. I mean, they were lost. Their, their refuge that Christ was going to bring was now gone, and it was time to form a new plan, right? And can I read you the passage? As they were sitting there in between asking the question, do I do I follow the news or the voice that's going on in my head, or or does God have refuge for us? And here's the verse, a powerful one from John. That Sunday morning, or the evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, listening to the news, hearing the voice. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. That Jesus said, look, I went to the cross, but I am still here alive to give refuge to you, to offer you shelter and hope, to build you up, to get you your bearings back. And then we find in the first book of Acts, Jesus, he ascended up into heaven. He opened his wings, and then he said, disciples, now now go. Now go and be the light to this world. Today, if you're in any of those situations where you need refuge— if you need to get your bearings back in life, if the news of the world or the events of your personal life are just so overwhelming, can I just convince you this morning, as I do when I talk to people, turn off that, turn off that voice, turn off that news. Seek the refuge of God. And when you find out the promises and the faithfulness of God, ask yourself that question, which do you prefer? There's so much more peace and hope in the 
in the refuge of God. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow with me? Father, I would just thank you so much for, for Easter and what we celebrate. And Lord, I would guess that right here, even in a group like this this morning, Lord, that there is somebody who needs your refuge. There's somebody who needs to put themselves under your wings to receive your protection, to get their bearings back, to, to get set on the right course, to be strengthened and built up. Lord, I want to pray right now, whatever is going on in their lives, whatever excuse or reason that is trying to convince them that your refuge would not be of value, Lord, turn down that news. Just turn down that voice. And with the words of your faithfulness, your shelter, your protection, would that ring loud and clear now? And will we allow ourselves to come under your wings and your protection and your shelter be our refuge. And Lord, I think for me personally, the greatest thing about coming to you and letting you be my refuge is I don't even have to have it figured out, Lord. I just need to know I need you. And if that's you this morning and you're just like, I I just know I need Jesus. I, I know I need a relationship with God. I know I need something that is not like what it's been. I just want to encourage you right here, right now, just to, with your heart and your your words in in your mind, say, Lord, come into my life and be my Lord. I'm I'm going to follow you from now on. You are going to be my, my refuge. And in an instant, you, in an instant, you are in his family. Now, Lord, for the the rest of this day, Lord, uh, whatever you have in front of us, would we go with the peace and hope and joy that you are a risen Savior and that we sit under your refuge. And we pray it in your Son's name. Amen. Oh, amen. I hope you enjoy your your Easter day. And I would ask this morning if, if there's anything we can be praying for you about or if there's any decision you made for Christ this morning, we'd love for you to take the card that, that you was on a chair when you came in and just communicate with us. You can use the backside. There's several options to check those boxes, and we'd love to pray with you or talk with you about anything you'd like this week. And it may just be that there's something like, you're like, I, I so love the idea of refuge, but this thing I'm battling, I just, I don't even know where to go. I just need someone to talk to. We'd love to do that with you this week, so let us know on that. Again, if you're new with us, as much information as you're, you're willing to give would be wonderful, and you can drop it in in just a, a second as well. It may be that you're here this morning and that as you heard the message, names popped into your head, and you're like, this person I work with or this family member or this friend, they so need to hear this this morning. And though it seems a little unorthodox, I want to encourage you, get on the phone, give them a call, get them here at 1030, come back and sit with them and give God the opportunity to speak into their heart as well in just, in just a couple hours. Well, would you stand with us and our ushers are going to come and receive our morning offering, so drop them.